Man, what a great day so far, hadn't it been? It's been awesome. To be able to uh, recognize and honor our seniors, congratulations. Uh, great milestone. Hope you know this is always going to be home. Uh, to sing together. Love the singing, by the way, Dave and Orlando and all of you. Uh, glad to be here. Glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, we're really glad that you join us. I know we kind of mention that every week, but uh, we've got a lot of people from a lot of different places who are with us every week online, and we appreciate that. There's a little bit of history that comes out of World War I uh, at the very beginning of that war. By the way, I'm going to sit down again today, if that's okay. I didn't ask your permission, but I appreciate your grace. I'd rather sit down than fall down. So uh, one more week, I think. But uh, I'm going to stay sitting. Uh, but yeah, some history in World War I. The very beginning of that war, the, the British Navy was getting defeated battle after battle by the German Navy. And they didn't know exactly why, because they felt like their ships were better uh, than, than the German ships. They felt like their, their guns were more accurate, that their crew was you know, top-notch. But they kept getting defeated. And battle after battle, their ships were being sunk by the German Navy. And it didn't take very long into that war before they figured out what the problem was. They had outfitted their ships with strong armor on the outside, on the hulls, because they expected the enemy to attack like the enemy always did. And they left the, the uh, deck of their ships basically wood. And so the Germans started lobbing artillery onto the decks of the British ships, and, of course, it went right through the wood and destroyed the ship, you know, sank the ship. They thought they were prepared for war, and yet they were vulnerable where they didn't even realize it. Now, maybe you're not a history buff. Maybe you can relate a little bit more to a far side panel that's one of my favorites. Two cavemen uh, kill a woolly mammoth with one single arrow, and one guy says to his buddy, we should write that spot down. I tell you that story from World War I, I show you this uh, far side panel to remind us that there are times when we are all guilty of going into battle thinking that we are ready, thinking that we're prepared, thinking that the enemy can't hurt us, and somehow, some way, we get attacked where we didn't even realize we were vulnerable, and we get to the other side and we shake our heads and say, never saw that coming. Now, of course, I want to talk to you this morning about spiritual warfare. You know, we shore up different aspects of our lives and different actions of our lives, and yet somehow the enemy seems to find that one spot that we've neglected, that one spot where we're vulnerable, and every time that's where we're attacked with devastating results. We're spending a couple weeks uh, going through a section of Scripture that is real familiar to most all of us, but I think it's a section of Scripture that we ought to go through every now and then. We need to be reminded because it's found, it's in, it's in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. You're going to be turning to Ephesians chapter six. Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, and Paul is going to instruct us at the end of that letter how to prepare ourselves for battle. And he wants to be sure that we understand that we are in a battle. Whether you realize it or not, whether you want to be in a battle or not, maybe you're thinking, I'm going to sit this out. You don't have that choice. We are in a battle. 
And Paul wants us to be sure that we're prepared for that battle. So he talks about the armor of God. He tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Last week, we read through that entire section. We're going to read through it again this morning. It's not that long, but it's really, really good. It's in Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Underline that verse. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In this passage, Paul uses some imagery that would have been very familiar to those people in the first centuries. He's talking about a Roman soldier and what a Roman soldier would do to prepare himself for battle. And he wants us to know as followers of Jesus that we've got to, in the same way, be prepared for battle. So Paul begins step by step, piece by piece, item by item, talking about what we as followers of Jesus need to do to not just weather this attack, but to be successful in the battle against the enemy. And the first thing that he is going to mention, part of the armor that we're going to look at this morning, is the belt of truth. He says, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now if I were going to begin to list all the things that a soldier really needed when he went into battle, I would not start with, in fact, I probably wouldn't even include a belt. But that's because our belts are very different than the belts a Roman soldier would have used. Very different than the belt that I'm wearing right now. The belt that I am wearing right now has one purpose. When I stand up, I want my pants to stand up with me. That's the purpose of my belt, to keep my pants up. But the purpose of a Roman soldier's belt was actually, there's a lot of things that it did. It was actually a, a wide apron. A leather apron, a wide belt. And it did a couple different things. First, it was a piece of protection. It it covered a section of a soldier's body that was often exposed, always vulnerable. And notice what Paul's instructions are here. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. Paul says, when you go into battle, you need to go into battle with truth. You need to go against the enemy and and be sure we understand who the enemy is. The enemy isn't flesh and blood. The enemy isn't my neighbor. The enemy isn't the guy that I work with. The enemy isn't even some people on the other side of the world somewhere. When I was a kid growing up, I, I loved a song that we would sing in church. And I'm sure most of you, if you grew up going to VBS or, or went to church when you were a small child, you probably sang the, small, uh, probably sang the same song. I'm in the Lord's Army. You all know that song, right? I used to love that song. Because you could stand up and you could do motions with it. Now, I may never march in the infantry, 
ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never. And when we got to that part where I grew up in the 60s, you know what we sang? I may never fly over Germany. <laughs> Anybody else learn that song that way? Okay. Must maybe just a Northeast thing. I don't know. That's how I learned that song. In church. Talk about politically incorrect. <laughs> that is biblically incorrect, by the way, too. And my last name is Stutzman. <laughs> I can trace my family tree straight back to Germany. And my church is telling me that Germany is the enemy. Man, you know, try sorting that out with your therapist years later. But Paul is really clear on this. The enemy is not some person. The enemy is not some foreign power. Our enemy is the power of this dark world. The enemy is the spiritual forces of evil. I'm not the enemy. You aren't the enemy. They, whoever they might be, they are not the enemy. Paul wants us to know when we go into battle with the enemy, when we go into battle with the forces of this dark world, in the heavenly realms, you better have buckled around your waist the belt of truth. Now, Paul's readers would understand that a soldier's belt would protect him where he was most vulnerable. But why does Paul use this analogy with truth? Why does he say, buckle the belt of truth around your waist? Well, it's because Satan knows that or because Paul knows that Satan's greatest weapon is lies and deceit. Satan lies and deceit. Remember the first thing we see in Satan doing, he's lying to Adam and Eve. Disobey God and you'll be just like God. He's been lying ever since. Whatever it is that Satan is whispering in your ear right now, it's a lie. Jesus, talking to a group of Pharisees one day, a group of people who considered themselves closer to God than anyone, said this about them and, and about uh, Satan. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus says lies, deceit, that's Satan's native tongue. That's his first language. That's what he does. That's what he knows. I, I am a fan of old country music, back when it was country. Um, and back in the day, and it, and it actually, it's, you still hear it on the radio, uh, one of Charlie Daniels' biggest hits. I was a big Charlie Daniels fan. Devil Went Down to Georgia, right? We all know that song. It is such a ridiculous misrepresentation of Satan, you know. I like the song, but it's like, this is nuts. You know, he went down to Georgia. He was in a bind because he was way behind, which in itself is ridiculous, right? But the song talks about Satan going to Georgia, and he comes across this young guy named Johnny playing a fiddle. And so Satan makes a deal, makes a bet with this kid. And he says, listen... If you can play a fiddle better than I can, I will give you my fiddle of gold. But if I can play my fiddle better than you, you owe me your soul. 
And Johnny takes him up on the bet, right? And of course, the song ends with, well, the devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden fiddle at the ground at Johnny's feet. And every time I hear that song, I want to scream, no, he didn't. Oh, no, he did not. Satan would never do that. You know what Satan would do? Satan would say, I lied. He'd take both fiddles. He'd kill Johnny. He would destroy him. That's exactly what Satan would do. And you know why I know that's what he would do? Because Jesus says that's what he does. He steals. He kills. He destroys. That's who our enemy is. He's not making bargains. He's not doing deals. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. And that's why Paul says, you better have the belt of truth around your waist because this enemy is going to attack you when you are most vulnerable and he is going to attack you where you are most vulnerable and he is going to attack you with lies. Solomon said in Proverbs 12, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. You need the belt of truth to protect you. But the belt of truth actually does more than that. To a Roman soldier, his belt would actually hold things in place. The breastplate that a soldier would wear was actually held in place by the belt. Without the belt of truth, everything falls apart. Truth is what holds everything else together. Jesus said in John chapter 8 to the Jews who had believed in him, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's truth that holds everything together. There's got to be a standard for our lives. We all live by some standard. There's got to be something that we hold up and say, this is who I am, and this is how I'm going to live my life. This is my standard. This is my truth. Mine and Faye's favorite NFL football coach has a saying that he's famous for, the standard is the standard. And I think Mike Tomlin actually stole that from the Apostle Paul. Because Paul says the standard is the standard. The standard is Jesus. That's the standard. The standard is the Word of God. That's the standard. The standard is truth. You know, people choose all kinds of things to be their standard, their reason for living, the reason they do what they do. Maybe it's a person's job, maybe it's their, their bank account, or you know, their education, or their friends. A lot of people's standard happiness, especially you know, in, in our culture today, I just want to be happy. And I'm going to do the things that make me feel good. I'm just going to do the things that make me happy. That's my standard. Jeannie granted a guy one wish, so he said, I just want to be happy. Now he lives in a cottage with six other dwarves and he works in a mine. I'm sorry. But this perception of happiness, this thing, if we just had this, if we, could just, if we just had that, I am so close to being happy. And of course the enemy is saying, here's how you get it. Here's how you get there. And we buy into the lie and the enemy smiles. 
course, Jesus said in John 14, uh, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the standard. That same setting, he prays to the Father. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Our standard is truth. Our standard is Jesus. It's what holds everything together. If the truth isn't firmly in place, nothing else that Paul says is really going to make any sense. If we don't have truth firmly in place, all the things that Paul adds after this are pretty much meaningless. The righteousness, the faith, the salvation. None of that, none of that works. None of that is held in place without truth. You know, when you're talking to someone about their salvation, the first thing you'd better do is come to an agreement on what is our standard? What is our truth? What are we going to hold up as our standard? And if it's not Jesus, if it's not the Word of God, all bets are off. Because it's hard to agree on anything when anything goes. So Paul says, you need to buckle up with the belt of truth. So this belt protects us, it holds everything together. And then one more thing that I, I think this belt does, it prepares us for action. Well, how does a belt prepare a person for action? You ever notice a baseball player before he steps into the batter's box? What's he do? He adjusts his pants, right? <laughs> Pay attention, they do. A golfer, before he tees off, he kind of fix the pants a little bit, right? Watch them, they do. Why? Because they're getting ready to do something. They're getting ready for action. The people in the first century would have understood this about the Roman soldier. They, they, uh, they would have understood this mainly because they understood about a Roman soldier's underwear. You heard me right. I don't know that I've ever talked about this in a sermon before, but here you go. A Roman soldier's underwear was very free-flowing. It was long. And before a soldier went into battle, he would actually take his undergarments and tuck them into his belt so that he could run, so that he could move more freely, so that, so that he wouldn't be slowed down in any way. And I think that's part of what Paul is saying here. Put on the belt of truth, which enables us, which causes us to do something. Now, we're not just learning truth for the sake of truth. We don't just learn information for the sake of information. We're learning information for the sake of transformation. Thank you. We have to live the truth, not just know the truth. It's our standard. It's why we do what we do. In Psalm 119, David, talking about God's word, talking about God's truth, says this, how I love your law. I think about it all day long. Your commandment is with me all the time and makes me wiser than my enemies. I understand more than all my teachers because I meditate on your instructions. I have greater wisdom than old men because I obey your commands. David says, I love God's word. I think about it all day long. I meditate on God's Word. I understand it. I think about it. I'm wiser than my enemies. I'm wiser than old men because I obey 
what God commands. Still got your finger there in Psalm 119. Skip down a lot of verses uh, to verse 160. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. David says, all your words are the truth. All your righteous laws are eternal. So in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us, you all need a good stiff belt of truth. You need to put on the belt of truth. But just being aware of truth, just knowing truth, just talking about truth, you know, an hour a week, it's not going to protect you from the enemy. You got to put it on. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. So that belt of truth is not buckled around your waist. You will not be able to stand firm. The enemy will prevail. And as we start thinking about the armor of God, the first thing that we need to think about is the belt of truth. Because as I said earlier, everything Satan is telling you is a lie. Everything that he is promising is a lie. All those things that seem so good, so fun, all those things, if I just had that, if I could just experience this, if I could just do this, and Satan's saying, yeah, go ahead and do those things that are outside of God's will. If you are thinking about doing something that is outside the will of God, it is a lie by Satan. And it will not result in what you think it will result in. It will result in heartache. Because God's the one who wants the best for you. God's the one. God wants you to be happy, by the way. God wants you to be joyful. God wants you to live a full life. And that doesn't always look like what we think it's going to look like. But those blessings are found in Christ. So again, if Satan can't lie, he's out of business. Because that's all he's got. So we've got to wear the belt. We've got to wear the belt of truth going to protect us, hold everything else in place, help prepare us for action. But none of that's possible if we don't suit up. So this morning, that's my challenge, that's my encouragement, to pay attention to what we have strapped around our waist when it comes to truth. Who are we listening to? What are we listening to? Are we listening to the enemy? Or are we listening to the standard, the Word of God? As a church family, if we can help you in any way, we invite you to come to the front here and let us know. Let's go ahead and be standing.